Have you been enjoying the true stories from the Bible that I've been telling you? I hope so. I know that I've been having fun telling them to you. Well, would you like to hear some more? All right. So, let's see now. How would you like to hear the story of Joshua? Do you remember who Joshua was? That's right. He was the new leader of the Jews after Moses died, wasn't he? But let's go back for just a minute and see just what leads up to the story of Joshua. Remember way back in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, we talked about Abraham. God had told Abraham that Abraham would have lots and lots and lots of descendants of great-grandchildren and great-great-great-great-grandchildren. God told Abraham that his descendants would live in a strange land, and the people there would be mean to them, but that God would take them out of that land with lots of riches and bring them back to the land of Canaan and give them the land of Canaan. Abraham had a son named Isaac, and Isaac grew up to be a big man, and Isaac had a son named Jacob. Then Jacob grew up to be a big man, and Jacob had twelve sons who became the fathers of what we call the twelve tribes of Israel, like Judah and Levi and Joseph and Benjamin. Do you remember that God gave Jacob another name? What was that other name? It was Israel, wasn't it? And that's why Jacob's descendants are called the children of Israel. They're also called the Jews or the Hebrews, aren't they? Well, remember then that Jacob and his sons and grandsons went down into Egypt because there was no food where they lived. And Jacob's son Joseph was a very important man in Egypt, and Joseph took care of them. Now, remember later, when it was almost time for Joseph to die, Joseph told his brothers and their children that God someday would take them all out of Egypt, just like God had promised, and Joseph told them to take his dead body out with them to take it to the promised land. So they put Joseph's body in a coffin when he died. Then some years later, remember, the Egyptians made the children of Israel, Jacob's descendants, to be slaves and were mean to them. And then Moses was born. Remember how Moses' mother put him in the little box in the river so that nothing would happen to him? And then Pharaoh's daughter saw Moses and adopted him. Later, Moses became the leader of the Jews, and after God sent ten big plagues on Egypt, Moses took the Jews out of Egypt in the Exodus. They exited, went out of Egypt, taking Joseph's body with them. And then remember, they didn't trust God to take care of them, so they had to wander in the wilderness for forty years. And all of this time, Moses was their leader, and Moses' brother, Aaron, was their high priest. But who was Joshua, the man we're going to talk about today? Do you remember? Joshua was like a general, and he fought against the bad Amalekites while Moses held up his rod. And Joshua was the godly young man who went part way up Mount Sinai with Moses when Moses went up into the cloud to talk with God. Joshua was one of the good spies who believed that God would give them the promised land of Canaan even though there were giants in it. And Joshua was the one that God said was to be the leader of the Jews after Moses died. You remember all of that now, don't you? Well now, Moses was dead. Joshua was the new leader. The children of Israel were all camped in a big camp across the Jordan River from the promised land of Canaan. Remember, Canaan was the land that God had promised Abraham way, way back, that God would give to Abraham's descendants, the Jews. So they're all camped there now, ready to go into the promised land of Canaan. And then God told Joshua, All right, 
It's time to go over the Jordan River, and I will give you the land. I will be with you. God told Joshua, You be brave, and be sure you do everything that Moses told you that I said you were to do. Obey my laws. If you obey me, I will be with you all of the time. Be brave. So Joshua told everyone to get ready, because the Lord God was going to give them the land of Canaan now. Some of the Jews had asked if they could have some land on that side of the Jordan River, and God had said they could, but they still got ready to go help the others get the land across the river that God was going to give to them. Well, before they crossed the Jordan River, Joshua sent two men to spy out the land and the city of Jericho. The two men went across the river and went into the city and went to a house that was owned by a woman named Rahab. But someone told the king, Look, some men came here tonight from the children of Israel. They're spying out the land. The king of Jericho sent men to Rahab, saying, Bring me the men that came to your house. They are spies. But Rahab had taken the two Hebrew men and had hidden them up on her flat roof under some stuff she had up there. And she told the men who came to get the Hebrew spies, I don't know where they are now. They've already gone out of the gates of the city. She said, Go chase after them. Maybe you can catch them. So the king's men went chasing out of the city and trying to find the Hebrew spies. Now, why had Rahab lied to the king's men? She told the two spies why. She said, I know that the Lord has given you all of this land, and everyone is scared of you Hebrews. She went on to say that she and the others had heard how God had dried up the Red Sea for the children of Israel when they were leaving Egypt four years earlier, and about other things that God had done for them. She said that she knew that their God, the God of the Jews, was the God of heaven and earth. So she wanted to help God's people. She said to them, I've been good to you, so please, will you be good to me and my family and not kill us? And the two Jewish spies promised Rahab that they would be good to her and her family after God gave them the land. Now Jericho was a city that had a big, wide wall built all the way around it. There were houses built on top of that wall. Rahab's house was one of the houses built on top of the big wall. Her window looked right outside of the city. So then Rahab put a red rope out of her window for the spies to climb down over the wall and get outside the city without anyone seeing them go. She told them to get away from there and hide until the king's men were tired of looking for them. So then the two Hebrew men told Rahab to hang the red rope in her window and bring her family into her house and stay there. The Jews would be able to see the red rope, and the spies promised that then Rahab and any of her family who came into her house and stayed there would be safe. Then the Jewish spies climbed down the rope and hid and then later went back to Joshua and told him everything that had happened. Early in the morning, Joshua and all of the thousands and thousands of Jews went to the edge of the Jordan River. After a while, Joshua told the priests to take up the Ark of the Covenant. Now, remember when we talked about the Ark of the Covenant before in the book of Exodus? Remember, it was the beautiful golden box about the size of a cedar chest that was all covered with gold with a very special, beautiful golden lid on it. God had told Moses to make this and put it in the tabernacle that we talked about in the book of Exodus. Remember, the Ark of the Covenant was in a little room all by itself in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest could go into this little room 
and then only once a year. And the Bible tells us that the Holy of Holies with the Ark was sort of a picture of the place for God's throne in heaven. So you can see that the Ark of the Covenant was very, very special. And now Joshua told the priests to take the Ark of the Covenant and carry it on their shoulders down to the very edge of the river. So they did. And as soon as the priest's feet touched the water in the river, guess what happened? The water stopped flowing in the river. The water piled all up a ways up the river, and the riverbed became all dry. That was a miracle, wasn't it? The priests carried the Ark of the Covenant down to the middle of the dry riverbed, and then they stood there with it. And all of the thousands and thousands of Jews walked across the dry riverbed and were in the promised land of Canaan. Does this remind you of anything that we heard about in the book of Exodus? Remember when the Jews left Egypt to go into the wilderness, how God had dried up the Red Sea so they could get across? Well, this time as the Jews are leaving the wilderness and entering the promised land, God again dries up water, this time the Jordan River, so his people can get across. Well, Joshua had twelve men, one from each tribe, pick up a big, heavy stone from the middle of the riverbed and take it over to the other side. Joshua set the twelve big stones up to make a big marker to remind the Jews for years and years that God had dried up the Jordan River for them. It was to remind them how God took care of them and how great God is and that they were to obey him. Well, after all of the Jews were across the dry riverbed, then the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant across the riverbed, and as soon as their feet came up out of the dry riverbed, the water began flowing in the river again. So now the Jews were finally in the promised land of Canaan, and it was the time of the year for one of the big feasts that God had told them they were to have. This feast was the Passover feast. Do you remember why they were to have a Passover feast? Remember back in the book of Exodus, when God told Pharaoh to let the children of Israel leave Egypt, Pharaoh wouldn't do it. So God was going to kill all of the firstborn in Egypt to make Pharaoh let them go. But God told the children of Israel and anyone else who believed God to kill a lamb and to put the blood of this lamb around their door and then go inside and stay there. Then when God went through Egypt and killed the firstborn, he would pass over the house that had the blood and not kill the firstborn in that house. And then God told them to have a feast every year to remember this one time when God had passed over them and saved them. And we know that Passover is a picture of Jesus, don't we? How Jesus died for our sins. His blood was shed. And if we trust Jesus to save us, then God will pass over our sins, will forgive us, and will let us go to heaven when we die. Okay, where were we? Oh, yes. Now as they went across the Jordan River, it was the time of year when they were to have the Passover celebration. So they had a big Passover feast, and they were able to eat the food that grew there in the promised land. Now, do you remember what they had eaten for the 40 years in the wilderness? Remember how God had fed them by giving them manna every morning? Manna was very special. It had never been seen before, and it was never seen again after the children of Israel finally got to Canaan. But God had fed all those many, many Jews 
for 40 years with manna. Well, the day after they began eating the grain in the land of Canaan, God stopped giving them manna. They never had it again. They didn't need it now because they could eat the food in Canaan. So now they were in the promised land and were near Jericho, and a very strange thing happened. Joshua looked up and saw a soldier standing there with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and said, Are you on our side or are you an enemy? The soldier answered, No, I'm not an enemy. I've come to you as the leader of God's army. Well, Joshua fell on his face and worshipped him. He knew this was the Lord. And Joshua said, What do you want to say to me? And the Lord, who was his soldier, said, Take your shoes off, because you are standing on holy ground. So Joshua took off his shoes. We aren't told if the Lord said anything more to Joshua, but Joshua knew that God was with them then, and that God would fight for them and give them the land of Canaan just as he had promised. God always keeps his promises, doesn't he? Well, the people who lived in the land of Canaan didn't worship God. They worshipped idols and did other very, very wicked things. They were very bad people. When they heard about how the Jordan River was dried up for the Jews to go across, they were all very afraid. Now, remember Jericho where Rahab lived? Well, God told Joshua that God would let the children of Israel conquer the city of Jericho. God told them just how he would do it. Then God said that after they had conquered the city, they were to kill everyone in the city. Remember, they were very, very bad people. And to burn the whole city. They weren't to take anything out of the city at all. Only they weren't to kill Rahab and her family who were in her house with her. Remember, she would have a red rope hanging out of her window so they would know where she was. Then God told Joshua exactly how they were going to conquer Jericho, and they did just what God said. And this is how it was done. A big bunch of armed soldiers set out marching. Then seven priests, blowing ram's horn trumpets, walked along behind the soldiers. Next came some priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Last of all came lots more soldiers, and they marched all the way around the walls of the city of Jericho. Of course, the people inside of Jericho knew about this marching. In fact, some of them could look out of the windows and see them. The soldiers were all very, very quiet as they walked. But the seven priests were each blowing their trumpets. They went around Jericho once. Then they went back to their camp. The next day the Hebrews did the same thing. They walked quietly around the walls of Jericho, then went back to their camp. They did this for six days. Then on the seventh day they got up very early and they marched around Jericho the same way for seven times instead of just once like the other six days. At the end of the seventh time around, the priests gave big blasts on their trumpets and the soldiers all shouted very loudly. And what do you think happened? Why, God made the walls of the city of Jericho fall right down flat. Then the Hebrew soldiers went right over the fallen walls into Jericho and killed all of the people and all of the animals and burned the whole city with everything in it, just as God had told them to do. Well, that is, they killed all of the people except Rahab and her family who were in her house. 
Joshua had them saved alive, just as the two spies had promised. And do you want to know something really interesting about Rahab? Rahab became the great-great-grandmother of David, who later killed Goliath and became king. And that means that Rahab was the great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus. Rahab had believed God and helped his people. Well, God had told the Jews that they were to destroy and burn everything in Jericho except the silver and gold and other metal things. These metal things were to be taken for the use of God. But when the Jews were destroying Jericho, as God had told me to do, there was one man among the children of Israel who did something bad. His name was Achan. Achan disobeyed the orders that God had given to Joshua. Instead of burning things in Jericho, as God had said, Achan took and kept a beautiful robe from Jericho. And instead of giving all of the metal to God, Achan took some silver and some gold for himself. Achan took them back to his tent, and he hid the robe and the gold and silver under his tent. And, of course, God didn't like that. Well, a little while later, when the children of Israel tried to conquer a little city named Ai, the men of Ai were able to beat the children of Israel and chase them and even kill some of them. Joshua didn't know why God hadn't let the Jews win. Joshua tore his clothes and put dust on his head to show how unhappy he was, and he fell on his face before the Lord all the rest of the day. Joshua prayed and asked God why God had let the men of Ai beat them. God told Joshua, Get up. Someone has disobeyed me and taken something from Jericho and kept it. You must get rid of it. I won't help you while it is in your camp. Go find out who did it and get rid of the things. Of course, God knew who had done it, that it was Achan, but he wanted Joshua to find out for himself. So the next morning, Joshua separated the Jews into their tribes, and then he separated them into their big families, and then into their smaller families, and then he found out that Achan was the one who had done it. Joshua asked Achan just what he had done, and Achan knew how bad he had been to disobey God. So Achan told Joshua about the robe and the gold and the silver that he had seen in Jericho and had wanted so much that he had taken them and hidden them under his tent. Joshua sent men to get these things. Then Joshua burned these things and other things Achan had, and they killed Achan. That seems very sad, doesn't it? But the people had to learn that they must obey God, didn't they? And, and seeing what had happened to Achan would help the others all to remember that, that they must obey God. Well, after that, the Lord told Joshua not to be afraid to take the city of Ai now, that God would give it to them. So Joshua made a plan. Joshua sent some of his soldiers to go back behind Ai and hide there. Then, early in the morning, Joshua and some other soldiers went up to the front of the city as if they were going to fight. When the men of Ai saw the ones in front, they came out to fight them. Then Joshua and his soldiers pretended that they were running away just as the soldiers had run away before. They ran away for just a little ways, and the men of Ai ran after them. When they were all away from the city of Ai, then Joshua's soldiers who were hiding behind the city came out and went into the city and set the city on fire. Well, the men of Ai who were chasing Joshua saw the smoke from their city, and they didn't know what to do. They knew that they had been tricked. 
Then Joshua and the soldiers with him turned around and began chasing the men of Ai from the front. And the Jews who had set Ai on fire came running up behind the men of Ai. So the men of Ai were surrounded, and the children of Israel were able to kill them all, just as God had told them to do. This time, though, God told the Jews just to burn the city, and God let the Jews take the cattle and all of the other things from the city and keep it for themselves. They didn't have to kill the animals and burn everything. So the Jews were able to conquer the city of Ai because God was with them. After that, Joshua built an altar out of stones and offered sacrifices to God to thank God for being with them and helping them. And Joshua wrote the law that God had given to Moses on the stones of this altar. And all of the children of Israel were there, and Joshua read them the law of Moses, how God would bless them if they obeyed him, but how God would punish them if they disobeyed him. All of the Jews heard Joshua read this law. All of the men, the women, and the children heard. They needed to know that they must obey God. Now, God was giving the promised land of Canaan to the Jews, the children of Israel. As I said before, the people who were already living there were very, very wicked. They worshipped idols and did all sorts of wicked things. So God didn't want those wicked people to be in this promised land that he was giving to the children of Israel. He wanted the children of Israel to be good and to follow God. But if the wicked people were living there, then the children of Israel would start to do the bad things too. So that's why God was having them kill all of the bad people. Well, the kings of the bad people who lived in the promised land of Canaan, heard how God was giving the land to the children of Israel and having them killed. But instead of turning to God and worshiping him and asking him to forgive them, though, nearly all of them decided to fight against God's plan and against Joshua. But there was one very big city, the city of Gibeon, and it was near Joshua and the Jews. And the men of Gibeon heard what Joshua and the Jews had done to Jericho and Ai, and they didn't want that to happen to them. So they decided to make a plan. The wicked men of Gibeon didn't want the Jews to come and kill them all, so they made a plan. Now, what do you think this plan was? The men of Gibeon decided to trick Joshua and the Jews. So they put on their very oldest worn-out clothes and old beat-up shoes, and they took dry, moldy bread. Then they went up to Joshua in his camp and acted as if they were all tired out from having traveled a long, long ways. They said, We're from a country far, far away, and we want to make an agreement of peace with you. Joshua said, Maybe you live near us. How could I make an agreement with you if you live near us? The men of Gibeon said, Oh, we are your servants. Joshua said, Who are you and where are you from? The men of Gibeon said, We're from a very far away country. We have come because we've heard about your God and all that he did for you in Egypt and how he has been letting you conquer everything. So our leaders told us to take food and travel far and meet you and make an agreement of peace with you and to offer ourselves as your servants. Look at our clothes and food. Why, our clothes and shoes were all new when we started out, but they are all worn out now. And our bread was just fresh and hot from our ovens. But now it's all dry and moldy. The men of Gibeon were lying, weren't they? But Joshua and his men looked at the old clothes and the moldy bread, and they believed the men of Gibeon. They didn't stop and ask God what to do. Instead, 
Joshua made an agreement of peace with the men from Gibeon. And the Jewish leaders all promised they would keep this agreement. Well, three days later, Joshua and the other Jews got to the city of Gibeon and found that it was a city right near them, and they knew they had been tricked. But what could they do about it? They had made a promise to the Gibeonites, and you can't break promises, can you? God tells us in the Bible that we must be very careful about making promises. And God says that if we do make a promise, though, we must keep it. So Joshua and the leaders decided what to do. Joshua told the Gibeonites, Even though you tricked us, we won't break our promise and kill you. But you will all have to be servants to us. You will have to chop wood for us and carry water for us. The Gibeonites said to Joshua, That's all right. We don't mind. You see, we were afraid because we knew that your God had told you to kill everybody here. That's why we tricked you. Now we'll do whatever you say. So the Gibeonites became servants to the Jews. Now, remember that I said that the other kings in Canaan had decided to try to fight against Joshua and the Jews? Well, these kings were really upset that the men of Gibeon had made peace with the children of Israel. So a bunch of those bad kings gathered together and decided to fight against Gibeon and destroy it. But the men of Gibeon sent a message to Joshua and said, Hurry, come and save us, your servants, for the other kings are going to fight us. So Joshua took his army of Jews and went over there. The Lord told Joshua, Don't be afraid of those kings. I have given them to you, and you will win against them. So Joshua went up and attacked all of those kings, and he surprised attack and killed lots of their army. The kings and their armies tried to run away from Israel. But God sent big hailstones on them, and many, many more died. Well, Joshua wanted to kill more of these enemies, so Joshua asked the Lord to do something special for him, and the Lord did. What do you think that special thing was? Why, when Joshua said, Sun and moon, stand still. God made it so that the sun and the moon stood still for a whole day. And it was daylight all that time so that Joshua and his army of Jews could see to chase their enemies and kill them. God was fighting for the children of Israel, wasn't he? That has never happened before or since that God made the sun stand still for a whole day. And God also let Joshua win against many, many other wicked kings and their cities. God told Joshua to kill all of those wicked people, and Joshua and his soldiers killed them. So God gave all of that land to the children of Israel, though there was still some of the wicked people living in parts of Canaan. It was good land that was already had gardens and orchards and cities. And now that the wicked people were gone, God gave it all to the Jews. Now, do you remember from our other stories a man named Caleb? Remember back in the book of Numbers when Moses had sent twelve men, one from each tribe, to spy out the land of Canaan? And remember that they had spied out the land for forty days and then had all come back and said what a wonderful land it was? But what had ten of those spies then gone on to say? They had said, It's a very good land, but we can't conquer it. There are giants in the land. They hadn't trusted God to give the land to them as God had said he would do. But remember there were two good spies who did trust God. These two good spies said, Oh, but we can take the land. The Lord will give it to us. But the people had listened to the ten bad spies and wouldn't go into the land then. 
And that's why God had made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Well, what were the names of those two good spies? Do you remember? That's right. They were Joshua and Caleb. Caleb was the spy from the tribe of Judah. And Moses had told Caleb that he could have the part of the land of Canaan that Caleb had spied out. And now, in the book of Joshua, Joshua was now the leader of the Jews, but Caleb was there too. They were both old men by now, but Caleb was still as strong as when he was young. And Caleb now went to Joshua, the leader, and reminded him that Moses had promised him the land that he had spied out many years before. The land was on a mountain. So Joshua told Caleb that that land was his, and Caleb drove the bad people out of that land and had the land for himself because he had trusted God when he was young. But at one place Caleb said, Whoever will take this city for me, I will let him marry my daughter. Well, Caleb's nephew, Othniel, thought that sounded good to be able to marry this cousin of his. So Othniel went out and conquered that city, and Caleb let Othniel marry his daughter. Caleb's daughter was pretty smart, though, and she had Othniel, her new husband, ask her father to give her a nice field, which he did. But then as she was riding on her donkey and came up to her father, Caleb, she got off of her donkey. Caleb said to his daughter, What do you want? She said, Oh, you gave me a nice field, but please give me springs of water too. So Caleb gave her two places where there was water. Then God had Joshua divide the land up among the tribes of the children of Israel. Remember, there were twelve tribes of Israel. These tribes were descended from the twelve sons of Jacob, whose other name was Israel, remember? Some of the tribes had asked to have land on the other side of the Jordan River, but now the other tribes were to have land on this side of the Jordan River in Canaan. So Joshua divided up the land of Canaan among the rest of the tribes of Israel. Then all of the children of Israel got together at a place named Shiloh, and there they set up the tabernacle. You remember what the tabernacle was, don't you? It was the beautiful tent that God had told Moses to make right after they left Egypt. This tent was to be the place where the people would go to worship and offer sacrifices to God. Only the priests went inside the tent, though. Inside the tent were the two rooms, remember? In the outer room were the beautiful lampstand made of solid gold, and the little golden altar for burning incense, and the golden table for the special bread. In the inner room was only the Ark of the Covenant. There was a big yard around this tabernacle tent that had the big brass altar where the sacrifices to God were burnt. And there was a curtain fence around the whole yard. Well, now that God had given the Jews the land that he had promised Abraham a long, long time before that his descendants would have, they now set up the tabernacle at Shiloh, and that is where they would go to worship God. The people now were settling down in their new good land. But remember that two and a half of the tribes had taken their land across on the other side of the Jordan River, but they had come over the river to help the other tribes conquer the land of Canaan. Now Joshua called those two and a half tribes together and told them that they could go back home now, that they had done what they said they would do. So the armies from these two and a half tribes got together and crossed back over the Jordan River to go home. When they got across the river, though, they stopped and built a big altar. Now the other nine and a half tribes saw this altar, and they were very worried. They thought, oh no, the two and a half tribes are going to start worshiping false gods. We must only worship God, and we have the tabernacle here where we are to worship God.
So the tribes gathered a large army together. They didn't want to have their cousins begin worshiping idols. They sent ten big leaders across the Jordan River to talk to the two and a half tribes there. What are you doing, these ten leaders said. Why are you doing this big sin against the Lord by turning away from him and building this altar? Don't you remember how much trouble we can get into with God if we start worshiping idols and false gods? God will be mad at all of us if you do that. and will punish all of us. And the ten leaders told the two and a half tribes, If the land where you're living isn't clean and has idols, then stop living there and come on over to our side of the Jordan River where the tabernacle is. Just don't build an altar here. The altar at Shiloh where the tabernacle is is the only one we are to use. And the ten leaders reminded them, Remember when Achan had taken the things at Jericho, how God had punished all of us because of what one man had done? But then the leaders of the two and a half tribes answered the ten leaders from the other tribes, Oh, no! God is the only God, and he knows that we haven't built this altar to offer sacrifices to false gods. No! But we were afraid that since we don't live in Canaan where you are, but live on the other side of the river, that after a while you would forget that we are your cousins, that we are also the children of Israel, and you wouldn't want to let us come worship the Lord at the tabernacle at Shiloh. So we built this altar not to use to make sacrifices, but to remind you that we are part of the children of Israel. We are still part of you, even though we live across the river. And to remind you to let us and our children and our grandchildren come worship the Lord at the tabernacle. They said, Look, the altar we made is just like the one you have. It's just a reminder for you. We would never want to turn away from the real God. Well, when the high priest and the leaders heard this, they liked it. They were happy now. The high priest then said to the two and a half tribes, We see now that you aren't going to do anything bad against the Lord, and we see that the Lord isn't going to be against us. So they went back home and told all the rest of the children of Israel that the altar was just a reminder and wasn't anything bad. The people were all happy about this, and the big army went home and didn't fight their cousins. Well, Joshua, the leader of all the children of Israel, was getting to be very old. He was over a hundred years old. And he called all the leaders of the Jews together. He told them, I am very old. You've seen all the Lord has done for us, how he fought for us and gave us this land. And I divided the land among you. The Lord drove all of your enemies out for you. Now, be brave, and be sure you keep all of God's laws that Moses wrote down for you. Be very careful. Do, do exactly what God has said. Then Joshua said to them, There are still other countries around us who don't worship God. You mustn't have anything to do with them or with their false gods. As long as you follow God, God will be with you. But if you stop following God, then God won't be with you. And Joshua said to them, I'm going to die. But you know that everything that God promised to us, God has done. He has given us his land. So be sure to follow God, or God will punish you. He will be angry with you if you start worshiping false gods and he will take you away from this land. Then Joshua had all of the people come together, and he talked to them. He reminded them that God wanted him to remind them all of how good God had been to them. Joshua reminded them how God had chosen Abraham, and then how Abraham had his son Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and how Jacob and his family had gone down into Egypt. Joshua then told them how God had sent Moses and Aaron, and God had punished Egypt, 
and brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and how God had made a dry path through the Red Sea for them to cross, and then how the Egyptian had tried to follow on this dry path, but God had drowned the Egyptian army. Joshua reminded them how they had lived in the wilderness, but that God had protected them from their enemies there. Joshua reminded them all how God hadn't let Balaam curse them, but instead had Balaam bless them. Then Joshua reminded them that God had fought for them when they had crossed over the Jordan River into the Promised Land, and God had given them this good land with its cities and grapevines and olive trees. Then Joshua told the people, Now you must remember to be careful to follow the Lord exactly. Don't worship any false gods, ones that aren't real. Worship and serve only the Lord. You decide today whom you will serve. Will you serve false gods or the Lord? As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And all the people answered Joshua, Oh no, we don't want to leave the real God for false gods. The Lord our God is the one who brought us out of Egypt and slavery and did all of those miracles for us and took care of us all the time. The Lord is the one who drove out the bad people who lived in this land. We will serve the Lord. The Lord is our God. Joshua talked with the people some more, and they kept saying they wanted to serve only the Lord. So Joshua and the people made an agreement that day that they would all serve the Lord God of Israel. After all, the Lord God is the only real God, isn't he? The others aren't really God at all. Then Joshua wrote this all down in a book. And Joshua put up a great big stone under a tree near the tabernacle. And Joshua told the people, Every time you see this big stone, you must remember what you have said and what I have told you about God. Let the stone remind you so that you don't forget the Lord. Then everyone went home. And all the time that Joshua was alive, and that the leaders that Joshua had talked to were alive, the people followed the Lord. And we must remember that we must follow the Lord too, right? We have all of the Bible that tells us about God and what God has done for us and what God wants us to do. And we have where it tells that Jesus is our Passover lamb, that we must trust Jesus to save us from our sins. Jesus died for us to take the punishment for our sins, didn't he? And if we are to follow God, we must trust Jesus to take this punishment. Then when we die, we can go to heaven to be with him forever and ever. Well, after Joshua talked to the people and they promised to follow God, then Joshua died and was buried. And that is the end of the book of Joshua, except for one thing. Somebody else's body was buried in this promised land of Canaan, too. Can you guess whose? Why, Joseph's. You remember Joseph, don't you? I just said a little about him at the beginning of this tape, didn't I? But let's talk about him some again. Way back in the book of Genesis, one of Jacob's twelve sons was named Joseph. He was a very good boy, and Jacob loved him very much. Joseph's brothers were jealous of him and sold him as a slave down into Egypt. And there God took care of Joseph, and after a while Joseph became a very big leader in Egypt. But Jacob and Joseph's brothers all thought he was dead. When the famine came, Joseph's brothers came down and bought food from Joseph, and finally Joseph told them who he was and told them to bring Jacob and their families down to Egypt, and he would take care of them. So Joseph forgave his brothers for selling him as a slave. Joseph was a prophet, and he knew that God had actually been making it so that Joseph could go to Egypt and become a big leader in Egypt and take care of them during the famine. Then later, when Joseph got old and was going to die, 
he told his brothers that God would take them out of Egypt someday to the land he had promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the land of Canaan. He told them to put his body in a coffin and keep the coffin in Egypt. And then when God took them out, they were to take the coffin with them and bury him in the promised land. That coffin was to be a reminder to them that God would take them out of Egypt to the land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember, God always keeps all of his promises. And that's what the children of Israel did. When they left Egypt, they carried the coffin with Joseph's body in it out of Egypt with them. They carried the coffin with them all through the wilderness for those 40 years. They carried the coffin with Joseph's body across the Jordan River and as they conquered the land of Canaan. And now that the Lord had finally given them the land, they buried the coffin with Joseph's body there in the promised land, just as their great-grandfathers had promised Joseph. And now that is really the end of the book of Joshua. So what was the book of Joshua about? It was all about how God gave the promised land of Canaan to the children of Israel, the Jews, how they crossed the Jordan River on dry ground, conquered Jericho, saving Rahab and her family alive. The men of Gibeon tricked the Jews and made peace with them. The Jews conquered the land with the help of God. Then Joshua divided the land up among the tribes of Israel. And then Joshua got old and reminded the children of Israel of all of God's goodness to them and told them to follow only God. And the book of Joshua ends with Joseph's body being buried in the promised land. I hope you've enjoyed this. I have.